I'm a handshake tater. I'm a spud with a player. I'm a miracle that's great day by day. I ain't your average quitter. I don't put up with golf. I'm doing the best I can. The drum tater. Good morning. Welcome, my fellow Trump-taters, to the Trump-tater program this morning. I have one of my favorite Trump-taters with me today, Greg Hughes, former Speaker of the House. Thank you for coming on, Greg. Love being on Trump-tater. Love it. I'm going to have to adjust my volume here because all of a sudden, Greg is really loud. (laughs) Okay, there we go. So, Greg, yesterday I I mentioned uh, my uh, the little Santa Claus, the woke Santa Claus. Did you see that story? No. So woke Santa Claus, a little boy comes in, they have a whole table that divides them, and the little boy asked for a Nerf gun, and the woke Santa Claus told him, not going to happen, you'll have to ask dad for that because I'm not bringing it to you. Little boy burst in tears, crying, upset. So my Trump tater of the day, in addition to Greg Hughes, is the mall who fired the woke Santa Claus. Well, that's, I thought that was going to be a joke. I, I was waiting for a punchline. Is that a true story? That's a true story. Oh, that's a... So I can't I can't discern fact from fiction anymore. I thought that was there was a punchline coming and that that was going to be a great joke. And then it just tragically became the plight of a a child talking to Santa. Okay, Yep. Welcome to 2020. (laughs) Got it. But the good news is the the mall fired the Santa Claus. So woke Santa Claus is out pounding pavement this morning. Jeez. Nerf okay. guns. That's that, as if that was the the big ill of society today. I know it. So our, our world's a little crazy around us, and uh, so we have a lot of different crazy topics yeah. to talk about today. One of the first topics I want to ask you: Does Sean Reyes have the authority on his own, without the permission of our state legislature or the governor, to join Texas in this lawsuit? I believe he does. I think he would. I, I Knowing our attorney general, it would be unusual uh, for him to unilaterally do that to the if the governor and the legislature said they didn't want the state to enter into that. Uh, But he I do believe he has the authority to do it. But um, I I, it would need I think he I think the reality of it is he would need to see that support from at least the governor. So do you feel like Governor Herbert would give him that support or soon to be Governor Cox? So I, I it's a it's a it's a nuanced question because I, I think that all things being equal, no. However, you can bring things to light. You can bring things more publicly uh, into the public discourse. I think he could be brought to uh, to have us participate. I when this when Texas announced their case yesterday, I got some texts and, and asking me, will you talk about the case? I I want to be wrong. I don't want. I hate cynics, and I don't want to be a cynic. But I have been. I have not been optimistic that Utah would join that that suit. However, I do believe that you're seeing states today. It's been announced other states are joining. Uh, so you're seeing a momentum with that. And I think that Utah, we're one of the reddest states uh, in America. I think it, it's appropriate that we would join that. I think we should. I mean, there. What's happening in those states impacts us. I mean, we voted for. As a, as a people, as a state, for Trump to be reelected. And when you see those ir- irregularities in the voting process, uh, as bad as they are, and they're real. I mean, people say there's not uh, real evidence. There absolutely is. Um, I, think, I think states are impacted by that, and so we should join that suit. Uh, I think it will take uh, people reaching out to legislators, to the governor's office, to, to, to do that. And let's see. I mean, people are beleaguered. People are tired. Let's see if people have that that fight in them to do it. But we should. We should absolutely do it. I think that it's possible. Uh, we have the politics, uh, and, the, and we are a Republican state, that we should be doing that to defend our vote as a state. Uh, but it remains to be seen if it, that will work. Well, how would he know if he has the support, though, since we're not in a legislative session right now? I mean, all these other states that have joined in, I, it looks like the attorney generals went, not, I shouldn't say rogue, but went with knowing that they had the support of their legislators. Yeah. You know, I, when I was, when I served in the House of State House of Representatives and I served as Speaker, um, you can, you know the body that you, that you lead that elected you to be uh, the, the leader. And, uh, and you can discern that from, from your colleagues. And I think that it's often the case that even when we're not in session, uh, issues come up with the state and, and we are, we are asked as leaders of the House and Senate to speak on behalf of the body. And if you're a good leader, you don't 
do that at the expense of those uh, those colleagues. But I think I think the current speaker, uh, Speaker Wilson, he and his leadership team, they were part of my leadership team when I was speaker. They they can quickly ascertain the the appetite, and I think it would be positive. I I don't think it would be a legislative hurdle at all. I think the legislature would absolutely, uh, and it probably has encouraged the the attorney general to to do it. So I think the the bigger uh, discussion or the harder discussion might be. Uh, the governor and lieutenant governor. But I don't know. That's me guessing. Uh, they might be excited about it. I hope they are. But that's my thought. So we had you on the Trump Tater program when it first began, and we were videotaping with the big Trump Tater in between that's us right. uh, back in late April before George Floyd and all that broke out. And at that time, we talked about um, the voter push for mail-out voting and everything and the corruption that could be involved in that. Yeah. And so... For Spencer Cox, our soon-to-be governor, and also Mitt Romney, to come out so quickly and undercut President Trump's concern for this mail-out voting, was that? Do you feel that that was being naive on their part, or do you feel like that there was some uh, manipulation or behind their their motive on that? No, I think it. I, I think it reflects their general sentiment towards. Um the election, uh, they are fine with the results. I don't think they're upset as, as upset as me, but not everyone is as upset as me. That's fine, I guess. But um, I, I thought that it was particularly ironic uh, to have those statements said, one in, a, in an interview with CNN, saying that these other states are fine when they wouldn't know. I mean, they're not privy to that information. But at the same time that was being expressed on national television, Salt Lake County, the Democrat elected elections clerk, uh, her numbers were not matching in terms of, she said on a Monday, these are how many total votes are left, ballots are left to be counted in, in Salt Lake County. And so what you should be able to do on Tuesday after you know how many votes have left are left to be counted is when they give you the results of what they have counted, you should be able to do a simple subtraction problem. Take that number, 65,000, subtract what they reported and know what's left to still count. They were up to 85,000 votes counted by Friday. 65,000 left in, in Salt Lake County. And this, this is math. This isn't yeah. conspiracy or, or opinion. This is real math. And I've talked to reporters that were covering this. And they said if uh, Burgess Owens had not, and all those weren't in the 4th Congressional District, but there's a portion that were. But the comments from media that I spoke with said if uh, Ben McAdams would have ultimately overcome that deficit and won, the questions, it would have really caused uh, as much controversy as we're seeing around the country because the numbers weren't adding up of how many ballots are left. That number just kept growing day after day of how many ballots are left to count. And so they were seeing this as well. If that's happening in your state and you're assuring people nationally that all these elections are fine, they're just fine, and it's not fine even in our own uh, state and largest county of Salt Lake County, that's that's frustrating to watch. At least from you know, I was in the, I was a public servant. I'm out in the cheap seats now, just watching that. But it, it is that's uh, that's something you hate to hear because it isn't right. Uh, the, the safeguards and transparency of vote by mail. I went back in the 2014 vote where where the legislature authorized vote by mail, and I voted against it then. And I've never been a fan of it. I I think there's some things worth showing up for. So I think you need to increase ballot access. We should probably have more days that you can vote in person, but mass mailing uh, ballots you know, unsolicited out to people's last known address. Uh, it's just, it's just not a secure system and it's, and we deserve more in a democratically elected Republic. So I had Ricky Hatch on the Trump Tater program. Actually he called and wanted to get on so he could talk about, he's our uh, Weber County person over our elections. And uh, he talked about all the safeguards that Utah uses. Mm -hmm. And so after talking to him, I felt a little bit better about this mail out voting, but that, there's only five States who've had a system in place. And so 45 states had no system in place. So I, I, I used to be a little more comfortable because I knew about, I, I'm aware, I know our safeguards. And, and here's, here's, a, here's something to assure Utahns about our vote by mail. My son turned 18, so he was a brand new voter, and he voted in the uh, primary, in June 30th primary, by mail. And then Salt Lake County, uh, we live in Salt Lake County, we got a letter from the Salt Lake County clerk saying that, uh, that his, his signature didn't match his registration form. And if you're 18 and you're not used to signing something, that's what happens. So there was that safeguard. The challenge becomes um, 
once a machine kicks out of a signature is not matching, there's a human decision whether to accept it or not. We don't know what that decision-making process looks like. And then you can drop off ballots, mail-in ballots, at locations that will never have a postmark. So you never know if you see mail-in ballots that come that don't have any postmark at all if yeah. they were even dropped off. So by way of safeguards. Okay. So we have a lot to discuss in our next segment because we're going to talk about Georgia and, well, this lawsuit that uh, is happening with Texas, as well as Arizona State Supreme Court taking on the, the fraudulent uh, votes. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Quite a bit. But anyway, I, want, I do want to get back to Mitt because Mitt is one of my favorite topics on the Trump Tater. <laughs> always have a moron Mitt minute. And so when we get back, we'll kind of, I'm, I'm going to fill in my moron Mitt Kay. minute. I'm ready. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Sebastian Gorka here. Maybe you've been hearing about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that helps a person's body deal with inflammation and pain. You've heard all the wonderful testimonials. Well, I have my own testimonial. For many years, my lower back pain was becoming a serious problem. The short story is, I finally gave it a try, and now I'm out of pain too. So if you're in pain, you can order the three-week quick start for just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. Hi, this is Dennis Prager, and we just launched a new PragerTopia membership called PragerTopia Unlimited. Members can listen to any and all audio programs that are in the Dennis Prager store. That's over 400 programs to choose from, show segments, talks, lectures, courses, even full access to all five books of my Torah teaching. For a limited time, an annual PragerTopia Unlimited membership is only $119. Join PragerTopia Unlimited today. Go to PragerTopia.com. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc. 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM 1492. Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation. Commission license number DC83. Service may adversely affect an individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action. Not a loan company. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. Again, we're here with Greg Hughes, former Speaker of the House and also a, a gubernatorial candidate in 2020. Uh, and hopefully he's going to be our Senate candidate in 2024. <laughs> unless, of course, Mitt Romney is taken up by the Biden campaign if Biden happens to get in. So yes. tell us what the process is there if Biden, if uh, Romney is offered. So that's, it's an interesting question because it's just changed. The legislature, after I left uh, just last session, I believe, changed the statute. Um, and the way it works now is that the, the state house and state Senate would uh, vote on and decide on three 
names to uh, proffer to our governor. Uh, and uh, the governor would then choose from those three names someone to fill a vacancy in the U.S. Senate seat in Utah. And then the very next election, so that would, if it were, if this happened uh, in the coming months, would be the 19 off-year municipal elections. That election would be the ele- statewide election for the Senate race. And so it would be as small of a vacancy fill as possible till you get to an, a general election. But it doesn't have to be an even-numbered year. It could be uh, the the off-year or the even year. So if, uh, the, if there is a Biden administration and they were to um, ask... Uh, you know, Romney to serve in that administration in a cabinet position, uh, it would be the 19 election where you'd have a, st- a statewide state a, a, an election to fill the vacancy. But until then, the legislature would send three names for the governor to choose from. So, now how would that work if it was on an off year election? Would they end up serving five years or just or? to the end of that original term? Oh, rig- so, oh, so term. Uh, okay. uh, when uh, Mitt Romney was elected in 2018, his six year term ends in 2024. So, all, okay. so that 2021. Hypothetically, that 2021 race would be just till the end of 2024. Okay, so then it puts it back in the right. Puts it, yeah, okay. it back into the. Well, it would cycle. not break my heart at all if Mitt Romney is brought on to the Biden campaign if Biden is successful on stealing this election. So I, I, there's been some discussion about that. I mean, uh, Mitt Romney's father, uh, George Romney, when he was the governor of Michigan, he ran for president, lost. Uh, I believe that Nixon, Nixon brought him as a cabinet member into his administration. So there's a family history of that being a cabinet member. But I think that if you look at the landscape of the Senate, uh, depending on if the uh, Republicans retain control in, in uh, Georgia in the special election in January, uh, if the Republicans are still in control and Mitch McConnell is the Senate uh, majority leader in the Senate, uh, Biden will need some Republican allies, and he doesn't have a better one uh, than Mitt Romney. So I, I think that uh, if Biden were to be the, uh, you know, the president, and if the, there's a lot of ifs in this scenario, but yeah. if uh, Republicans retain con- um, the majority, which they only have to win one of the two uh, special elections uh, in Georgia in January. So if they win one of the two, um, hopefully they win both, then uh, – it looks like Biden would need some Republican allies. And again, I don't think there would be a stronger one for Biden than than uh, Mitt Romney. But I don't know that that's good news for Utah. But that's uh, but that would I think that would keep him from a cabinet post just for the having him in the Senate. Oh, that kind of breaks my heart because I was really looking forward to Romney going somewhere else. Um, We really need to, and I've talked about this on the program before, we need to win both of those seats because we need the moron Mitt margin. And uh, You're so, it's true. It would just be, it would just be such a a one senator margin. That is scary, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he represents us here in the state of Utah. So Mitt Romney wrote an article a while back talking about he used the word morass. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so he always uses these words. Of course, my, I mean, it's maybe because I'm a, a, on these hillbillies with limited vocabulary. I don't know. Yeah. So I always have to I sometimes look up a couple of his words that he uses. And that's one that, I don't know, maybe I just missed it. And, and so I looked it up, and it means a dirty, filthy. Um, so anyway, now I've changed my moron mitt to my moron mitt with a morass mouth. So. <laughs> In, anyway, that's a tongue twister. It is a tongue twister, but uh, I, I feel strongly about uh, how I feel about Mitt Romney. Well, you're not alone. Yeah. I can tell you, having campaigned statewide in every county uh, and meeting people uh, in that primary election, uh, you know, for the first part, first six months of the year of 2020, um, there was a lot of uh, buyer remorse. There was, uh, I think, can- candidate Mitt Romney for Senate uh, misrepresented uh, his positions that that. Utahns found out about very quickly after he was elected in 2018. He wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post on January 1 of 2019, so just after he had been elected in November, that really excoriated President Trump in a way that did not match the campaign narrative. And so I think that many people have felt, even since then, uh, with his uh, with his very critical approach and attacks that. He ran under false pretenses. And what we really do have is that we have a man who did win statewide in Massachusetts to be the governor. Uh, and you cannot have the same positions uh, in Massachusetts that you would have in Utah. The, the, the population is just a different pop- They're a bl- very blue state, very Democrat state. We're a very Republican state. So you have to you have to have a different campaign uh, to run for governor of Massachusetts versus Senate in Utah. 
and I think what we're learning and what we learned, we've already learned, sadly, and what the people that I have, I have felt the, you know, the, the recoil from and the frustration from is that we have a, uh, we have a Massachusetts governor uh, that is representing Utah as a senator. And, uh, and it was under false pretenses. So there's all that frustration happening. You're not alone. There's just, I, I would hear it so often. I feel it. I feel it myself. So, Well, before the program, uh, Joe Carey uh, asked you a question about Utah uh, politics and conservatism. You brought up that uh, the predominant faith here sometimes misconstrues nice uh, for oh how did good you, nice for good yes and so that that's kind of what I perceive on Mitt Romney is that he wears the suit well mm-hmm. and uh, he represents the LDS image and uh, In, so that yeah. that bothers me because you know to me it's all about heart it's all about really caring for people and if you look at what President Trump has done not just before he was elected I mean not just after he was elected but before he was elected there's so many acts of kindness that President Trump has shown in his life to people who have fallen on hard times. Yeah. And again, even since he's been president, so yes, we know what Trump's flaws are. They're pretty obvious to us. Uh, but who's without them? I mean, some are more public than others. I mean, we have private flaws. His are more public given who he is. That doesn't, mm-hmm. it, uh, at least by our faith. I, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but I, I grew up in a different, I grew up back east, and so I, I was comparing that, you know, the difference as I see it, uh, just even how I've, how I've navigated my life uh, living in Utah. I came here to go to college. Um, is that that nice is confused with good. And, but with Mitt Romney, I think that the bloom's off the rose because it, it hasn't even felt nice anymore. Exactly. And, and I think that when he led the Olympics... And he's a member of our faith, and so he is the voice, and he's got a voice for radio. He's got a face for TV. And when he is the voice and the face of our faith, and then became the Republican nominee for president, uh, which is, uh, again, uh, we all felt very, we felt culturally or, you know, within our faith, proud about that. But then to have this campaign happen and then to see the decisions or the comments that are made, I, I just feel like we're not even in the nice is good anymore. I think we're, I think people are sensing something different uh, from Mitt Romney. Well, I, I'm not sure how much time we have left, but I'll try to squeeze this story in. When Mitt was running for uh, Senate, I was a state delegate, and I was all for supporting him. I supported him in 2008 before he dropped out of the primary. I supported him in 2012. I would have supported, so I. I would have supported him in 2016 had he stayed in, because yeah. he, he was originally on um, the primary. Ballot, and then I think he thought Jeb Bush was going to get all the money, and so he quickly backed. Interesting, I forgot that. Yeah, he no, he was on. He stayed on not very long. Yeah, he he was on initially. Interesting. In that, but uh, he just kind of cowered out, and I think we're going to run out of time before I can get to the story. But uh, yep, thirty seconds. (laughs) So anyway, it was at the Marriott right down the street. Uh, I went, and because you know, I've been working on racial uh, relations for a long time. And on civil rights issues, I challenged him on something he said about President Trump after Charlottesville. So when we get back on, we'll talk a little bit more about that and his response to me at the Marriott Hotel. And that's when I realized this is not a nice man. This is a mean, manipulative person. And so I'll share that story with you when we're back on the Trump team in just a minute. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Los Angeles Superior Court Judge James Chalfant is helping shuttered restaurant owners with his ruling Tuesday. The judge ruled Los Angeles County health officials acted arbitrarily and without a proper risk-benefit analysis when they banned outdoor dining as a China virus control measure. When he asked L.A. County health officials for science behind their lockdown order, they had no science or studies. The decision won't immediately restore in-person dining. The Supreme Court on Tuesday denied a request from Pennsylvania 
Pennsylvania Republicans to block certification of Commonwealth's election results, but the Supreme Court did move on a motion by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. His complaint on Tuesday says four swing states exploited the COVID-19 pandemic to justify ignoring federal and state election laws and unlawfully enacting last-minute changes. Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin have until Thursday to respond to the Bill of Complaint. USA Radio News. When thinking about life insurance, my accident reinforced you never know what tomorrow might bring. That's why I reached out to AccuQuote. AccuQuote helps people find a life insurance policy that meets their needs. Since 1986, they've helped millions of folks save up to 60% on their life insurance by comparing the rates and features of dozens of top-rated life insurance products. A healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half a million dollars of 10-year level term for less than 45 bucks a month. A 60-year-old under 120 bucks a month. Longer or permanent terms are available. Even if you already own life insurance, you really need to check out my friends at AccuQuote. Don't worry about health issues. Remember, they help me. As a pastor, I'm concerned about your soul and helping you to make sure your family is taken care of. Life insurance is more affordable now than ever, so don't make them wish you'd made that call. 877-437-4781. Call now, 877-437-4781. 877-437-4781. Rates, policy forms, and availability vary by state. Axios reported on Monday that a Chinese spy named Fang Fang, or Christine Fang, targeted up-and-coming local politicians, including Democrat congressman from California Eric Swalwell. It's suspected Fang was gathering intel for China as she courted and slept with up-and-coming politicians. Swalwell refused to discuss his relationship with Fang after the publication reported that she had sexual relations with at least two other politicians. In his defense, Mr. Swalwell blamed President Trump. The Trump administration, trying to get a COVID-19 stimulus package done, on Tuesday offered a $916 billion package to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi that would send a $600 direct payment to most Americans. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin made the offer to Pelosi late Tuesday afternoon. Democrat Chuck Schumer immediately rejected the offer. Nancy Pelosi also blasted McConnell's offer as an attempt to undercut the bipartisan group. A rare Tuesday night football game saw the Ravens beat the Cowboys 34-17. to This is USA Radio News. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. Again, my guest today is Greg Hughes, former Speaker of the House, and soon to be, hopefully, our next senator from the state of the great state of Utah. Anyway, that, that, I That's always nice like pro- always like projecting my thoughts out there. And uh, anyway, so I'm going to get back to my story on Mitt Romney. Yes. So this was right after the Charlottesville incident. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll remind my audience, for those that may not know, I started the organization back in 1999 called Two Flags in 2000 that brought down the Confederate battle flag off the dome and out of the House and Senate chambers. Now, a lot of people don't know that it used to fly in official capacity, but it did. And uh, and I have gotten into detail on why this flag, even though a lot of conservatives don't see it as racist, the very premise of when it, the original design was based on very racist. Uh, hmm. Like Originally, it was an all-white flag. Did you know that? No. And it was an all-white flag because it was designed to show the superiority of the pure white race over yeah. that of the bar- barbaric uh, black um, race. That's sad. So, I mean, the very original design. Now, most people, again, you have to look at what the motives are on the designers, the motives are on the people who started the Civil War, and the knowledge that the average person had. And so there's a big, big divide there. And uh, so I petitioned all these legislatures in South Carolina, uh, Democrat, Republican. If you took blacks out of the Democratic Party, the same percentage of white Democrats supported the flag flying or coming down as white Republicans. There was no difference. It was right dead. Right. And so when Charlottesville happened, I knew because I had been there and fighting that fight. A lot of people didn't know the history on when the flag started flying. And I may have shared this with you in our April interview, I don't know. But uh, it started flying in 1939 in direct opposition to an anti-lynching bill, which, by the way, has just finally been passed. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> so, so, I mean, Talk about behind the curve. Yeah. <laughs> and it went up in the Senate chambers in 1956 in direct opposition to Brown versus Board of Education. I did not know that. Yeah. And it went up on in Georgia, in the state of Georgia, the same year in direct opposition of Brown versus Board of Education. Mississippi was the only one that had some standing that it had been flying since the Civil War. Went up in the Dome in 1961 with Senator Fritz Hollings, who was the governor at the time, 
Democrat went up on the dome in 1961. All these were with ill intent. They were not history. Even wow. the sons and daughters of the Confederacy begged that the flag not be used in that way, that it would bring dishonor and disgrace to the, those who fought in the Civil War on the Confederacy side that were fighting for states' rights and for not an oppressive government. So anyway, in that picture, I had lobbied every single House and Senate member in the state of South Carolina. I knew the hearts of most of these people. And so when Charlottesville happened, I knew there were good people that were going there trying to protect what they perceived as their heritage. Right, right. So this breaks out. And if you watch the original videos, you see, one, um, it was horribly handled. I mean, the police were told to stand down, knowing that there was going to be massive chaos. And they were told to stand down. You see Antifa there. And at this time, most of the world did not know who Antifa was. Right. And, but I had been following Antifa for a while, and so I saw Antifa. I, I, I saved video footage of, of what happened. Now, unfortunately, Greg, these links to the video footage I saved are no longer there. Right. Uh, on YouTube and things like that? Yeah. 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 No, it, it's horrible. So, I mean, just a shout-out again to my audience that if you see something, make sure you don't just save the link, videotape it. Because it won't be there when you come back if it's something significant. So anyway, I challenged Mitt Romney on this, and I said, as a delegate, as a delegate, when he was running in eighteen, yeah, I said you quickly came out to condemn President Trump when President Trump said there's not a more that President Trump said that there was good and bad people on both sides, and you came out and said there's not a moral equivalent. So I challenged him on the moral equivalency of Antifa over the KKK. Yes, I said Antifa is a communist-based organization that's killed hundreds of millions of people. And they're using tactics that are very fascist. I said they're this, quote, anti-fascist organization, the most fascist group of people in the world right now. Then he pointed his finger at me, Greg, and he started shouting at me and telling me about his self-righteousness on the KKK and how there's, you know, yes, there is, a, you know, there's not a moral equivalence to anything like the KKK, as if he was totally naive on yeah. who Antifa was. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt for a while. But to date, he has not condemned Antifa. That's right. And, you know, and even in that quote, uh, if you take the quote longer, what the president said is that he, he, he actually condemned. Oh, he condemned he without, con- without, without hesitation and without regard. He said none of this. Mm-hmm. What he was talking about was what you just described was the broader sentiment of people that have emotions and, you know, about the flag. Uh, in, in the communist, or the, not the communist flag, the, the Confederate flag. But his comments, specifically about the violence that occurred, left no room. He was not ever excusing it or saying, "Well, you know, there's good and there's two sides of a coin." He was never doing that. No. That was never shared with the public at large. And then, to his observation of human beings and where they're falling on the broader issues, he was trying to be, you know, conciliatory or, or diplomatic. Say, "Hey, we all have our issues." So it, it's just so unfortunate to see that false narrative pushed continually. I mean, it's, I think that was what uh, Biden said was the, why he decided to run. And it, if that's it, why it, you it, decide it, to run, you ran on a false premise because all you have to do is push, pull out that quote a little longer to hear what he really said. And what he really said uh, was not what uh, Mitt Romney's protesting or, or uh, wagging his finger at the, our president for. And so you were right. And I'm sorry that you got berated for, oh, no, no. It, it, made, it, it made me realize that day that I could never support this man in any office. I, I just saw the evil coming out of him. And I don't say that lightly. No. Because, again, I was a supporter of Mitt Romney. And as an L- member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, <laughs> um, I also held some pride in the fact that someone from our faith was yeah. had a chance of becoming president of the United States. I am now so grateful he didn't win. Yeah. Um, because I do not feel he's a good person. He does not represent me. So back to people's heart. I think sometimes we as Latter-day Saints look on this outside. We look at what is perceived to be good, what seems to be nice. Yep. And, uh, and we don't always recognize. I mean, we are all flawed people. President Trump is a flawed person, but his yep. flaws are more obvious as to what they are. But he has just got the most incredible heart. And, uh, and I've experienced that personally, and I've seen it in his policies that are different as a lawmaker, what he did for our state. Uh, we've never seen a Republican or Democrat president ever do. Uh, there wasn't a national political reward or upside for some of the decisions he made uh, for us in this, in this state 
in terms of national monuments that President Clinton and President Obama had made that encumbered land that people in rural communities, small communities that don't usually have a voice nationally, their lives were impacted negatively. And he came out here and he reduced those national monuments. And uh, it was historic. There's never been a president to do that. Two national monuments and one and one decision like he did. There was a lot of research that was done. And he sent his interior secretary out in May before that he did this in December of 17. But so much of that goes unreported or that we don't take uh, proper inventory of it. And that experience that Utah had has been playing out across our country. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, uh, that's the person that I don't think uh, the media allows many to, to know or understand. But it is who he is, as you've said. Well, one of the most important issues, and we've talked about this in the past, that I see in the Republican Party, and we don't have enough time to talk about it in full detail today, but I do want to have you back on to discuss this, is this disparity in voting with the black Americans. 10% Republican, 90% Democrat. It's, we have to do something there. It's, it's the best thing for America. It's the best thing for our political system. But it's the best thing for black Americans who have been under the rule of the Democratic Party in these states, in these cities that have been destructive and have mm-hmm. brought despair and hopelessness for so many years. So that, that's something I see. that. And so, again, President Trump, this is an area that this man has heart on. He gets it. And yeah, he uh, made great strides, strides that have not been seen uh, by a Republican president. Even as a candidate, we've never seen a president earn the support of black America uh, in percentage that we saw President Trump earn and, 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 and gain in this 2020 uh, election, not since 1960. Yeah, that is a great trend. I really it is, want. It is a trend, but it's not nearly what it should be. But I will tell. No, it's not. I'm not yeah. satisfied with it. But I'll tell you, yeah. even even the Republicans that that won all these seats, we want. We saw Republicans win seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, which you're not supposed to win seats as Republicans when the Democrat supposedly wins uh, the presidency. Every one of those candidates, Republican candidates, is either a minority, of a woman, or a veteran. And what great perspective to bring to that to Washington you know so I'm really excited about uh, about the direction of our party but there is much to do and we can't lose that momentum I think as you well know I mean yeah whether whether Trump does ultimately get to serve out his second term which he definitively won or if he doesn't yeah we as a Republican party have to keep the momentum up I yes And, uh, and we have to pull our brothers and sisters in the black American community into our party and make sure they feel welcome in our party I agree. And, uh, and I, again, this is just something that um, not only my heartfelt passion on, it's just it has to happen if we're going to save our country. It's been my conviction that black Americans, black conservative Americans will save America. So I, I agree. It's a melting pot. This, that's what this country is born on. The enemies of, of America want to see us. That's the way to destroy us from within and to take a melting pot and separate us and define us by identity. And it's not it's not right. We're Americans. And so what you're talking about is essential to the republic. I agree. So we'll be back on the Trump Tater to wrap up this with Greg Hughes today. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations? With the hope for a COVID vaccine on the rise, shifting political landscape, and the election at an end, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text MONEY to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Text MONEY to 411411 to get what you need to stay ahead of market trends and find explosive moves before they happen. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Start predicting trends 72 hours in advance. Text MONEY to 411411 and experience Vantage Point for free. Text MONEY to 411411 so you can protect and grow your capital now. Don't wait. Text MONEY to 411411. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things. 
like by a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. This segment's going too fast, Greg. I definitely it have is. to have you back. It is going too fast. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. But uh, anyway, we are. I, I, I play chess in my mind. On uh, if we make this move, what will happen? If we make this move, what will happen? And and I see no good alternatives. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just see that we're going to be in. I'm some, playing checkers. I don't see the alternative, so I, I'm with you. <laughs> so anyway, it came out last night that Georgia state legislatures would love to have a special session and meet together to overturn the results of this election. But they have been hesitant because of fear that their state will be set on fire by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Do you feel that's a legitimate concern? It is legitimate. Uh, I know Speaker Ralston. When I was Speaker, he was Speaker in Georgia, and we have these national conferences. We get to know each other because we tackle many of the same issues and preside over legislative bodies. And so it's a really good conference to just kind of close the door, no staff, and roll up your sleeves and talk about some of these issues. But I know Speaker Ralston, and I know ultimately he knows that fear, you don't want to make decisions out of fear. That's That's why we don't negotiate with terrorists as a country, because if you give in to that fear, uh, you'll get more of what it is that you're fearful of. And so that's why you don't negotiate with terrorists. That's why you, sh- you should never empower Antifa, even though the fear and the, the potential for rioting is real. Uh, if, you, if that does color your decision-making, they're not going away. They've been rewarded, and you will see more of their antics. You'll see worse than antics. You'll see more of their criminal behavior, their destruction of property, their harming of people. Uh, we can't we can't let that drive our decision making as hard as it may be. And I think you said, is it legitimate? Absolutely. Do we give into that? We got to do our level best not to. And I and I like I said, I know Speaker Ralston. I think he, if the governor would call that special session, he's ready to go. I, I think privately, they're pro- he's probably saying that very thing to Governor Kemp yeah. in Georgia. I, I hope so because it's not just in Georgia that there will be problems in Pennsylvania. It'll be everywhere. In Wisconsin, it'll be in Utah. Yeah. I think you'd see. I think you'd see unrest, and you'd see some of the things we saw in what was it, May or June, where we saw the rioting in, in Salt Lake City. I think you would even see that here, if um, if the will of the people in these swing states could not be discerned, and we saw as the Constitution uh, prescribes, uh, the decision of uh, electing a president went to the U.S. House of Representatives. I, we have the Republicans would return uh, we Trump would win and I think that would result in uh, violence I do I think it would but again it's a long it's a short view or a long view I yeah. think we've got some real challenges as a country and as a people a short so, view it's going to be very nasty so yeah. back in 2017 Hillary Clinton made the comment that if uh, they didn't take back the house that there would be unrest in the streets like we've never seen before Yep. And so they did take back the House, and so the unrest we didn't see. But we continue to see it. Yeah. And, and I think they played it out in cities that they knew they could get away with. Uh, 
in order to show America what was coming if they didn't get their way. Well, if you saw the rioting and you have the pandemic and you put the two together, uh, you have a president seeking reelection and things are not right. Things are not good. And I think there was uh, an emphasis. It has to be. You can't say that letting people destroy property and, and public safety not being integral to a civilized society, how that was somehow forgotten. It wasn't forgotten. There was the tumult and the turmoil and the, uns, you know, the scary times that were being fomented. That was meant to oust a president. And what I am shocked and, and actually proud of is that when you see all those narratives and all those things that were happening, still 10, more, 10 million more people voted for the president in 2020 than they did in 2016. And in record numbers, and you know Biden's numbers are, whether they're real or not, they're, they're record as well, but no one has ever voted. Uh, for a president uh, or for a candidate for president and the numbers we saw for President Trump. And, um, and nobody is questioning President Trump's votes. I noticed no, that. No, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, the, the Democrats aren't saying that those aren't legitimate votes. So I just think that to wade through the, the, the riots and the violence and the pandemic and, and the media's narrative of all those things and, and even assuring Americans that he had not a scant chance to win and understand that four states collectively are maybe 100,000 votes or less to decide four large states in our country that are the swing states. Uh, it means everything that we were told and that we heard were, was false. And so I hope there's a, some inventory being taken of that, that we're learning some things. And there's a lot of us. There's, I, I'm convinced there's more of us, uh, everyday people in this country, making their way, wanting to make their way, than there are the progressives, socialists, uh, defund the police, uh, allow for the rioting. I don't, I don't believe they're the majority of this country. So you mentioned less than 100,000 votes in four states. I was watching a statistician, is that how you say it, Mm -hmm. Uh, saying statistically it was almost impossible for Biden to make up the lead that Trump held in those four states. In one state, it would be very improbable. But the fact that he made up the lead in four states is statistically impossible. Yeah, and that's and that's some of the things when you see that he that that Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton in Miami, in San Francisco, in Cleveland, in every major metropolitan city in America, but for those states you mentioned, where in Milwaukee it was a 91% voter turnout, 91% really. Australia as a country makes it law you have to vote. If you don't vote, it's a you get fined. Okay, if you don't vote, their voter turnout is 93%. You're telling me that in Milwaukee, different than any major metropolitan city, uh, came out at 91% uh, voter turnout. You saw record turnout in Philadelphia. You saw record turnout in Georgia. You know, you, you see the Maricopa County in Arizona, Clark County, Las Vegas, and, and Nevada. It is such an outlier, as you pointed out, to see such, such high, high turnout in those areas where it's just not reflected by way of public sentiment or voter turnout in the other similarly situated Democrat metropolitan areas of America where that's not happening. It, it is. It's uh, it's. If the, if the shoe is on the other foot, you would have in, in this and these irregularities were going on uh, on the side of Trump. Trump won, but there were all these irregularities flying around statistically or, or stati- you know, analytically, whatever. They would be losing their minds and their pursuit to get to the Supreme Court and get this into the House of Representatives would be not only accepted by the, the mainstream media and the public, it would be demanded. It would be it would be fist pounding. This is how it has to be. And and so it's just it's sad, the selective logic and the selective outreach. But there's an agenda to it. That's what we were talking about. There's there's a club and the average everyday American people are not invited. And that's the that's the that's what we're fighting against. Well, one of the theories I have, and I believe this is I have all these different theories I share with you. But uh, the reason the riots began was not because of George Floyd. The reason the riots began was because what happened two days before George Floyd or three days before on May 23rd. And that is Biden's interview with the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God. Mm, where he said, if you ain't, if, if you're you, not Democrat, then you ain't black. Right? No, if you don't, if you don't even think about, if you have to even think about voting for me, you ain't black. That was starting to create outrage mm-hmm. among black conservatives, but among blacks nationwide. Right. They had to squelch that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they squelched it through starting the riots. I, I truly believe that most, most black Americans saw the outrage from all Americans about what happened to George Floyd initially on what happened. And their, their protests were peaceful. It was these Antifa 
mob-like tactics that came in and co-opted the Black Lives, not the Black Lives Matter, but the true black protest yes. against that. And, uh, and I believe it was done because of that interview that took place a couple days before. You know, I mentioned this in the last segment that um, if you're, you know, America's powerful, lone superpower in the world. Militarily, we're not going to be defeated. We, we are, you know, the, the city on the hill. If you, China knows this, Russia, I'm told that China knows this, Russia knows this, Iran knows this, North Korea knows this. If you want to destroy this country, America, you do it from within. And what you do is unique to America is we are a melting pot. These are not indigenous people that have lived on this continent for thousands of years. This is a melting pot from people from all over the world that have come together to, to, to be Americans. You divide. You turn people against one another. You take their identity and whatever ethnicity or whatever background they came from, and you, make the, you turn them against one another. That is the strategy for a melting pot nation like ours. And when you understand that and then you watch the narratives and you watch how this, the race riots and all those things and how they're ginned up, it is so sad to see that playbook so brazenly being played. And we're not we, you and I, but Americans are complicit when they buy into the identity politic, when they buy into the we're dividing one another or, you know, it's it just we can't do that. I, I just think that that's uh, I, and I, you've been an advocate for that from well before this time that we're in right now you've always wanted to bring people together in a, a unified way and i respect that a lot about you well just speaking of indigenous i can't even say the word right but native americans yep um, most native americans i know were full supporters of president trump so right. we we do have some people who've lived you know in america for a long time mm-hmm. and for thousands of years and for the most part those votes were going towards president trump in addition, i just want to kind of slip that one in but anyway we're going to be back with the trump tater tomorrow we are going to washington dc this saturday and greg hughes will be one of the speakers at the sylvan theater in downtown dc so we're excited to hear from him and his voice and the voice of so many other patriots across our country so we'll keep you informed on what's going on, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on The Trump Tater.